Welcome to the Gift of Love broadcast, where love is your greatest gift. Our mission is to teach the world the power of loving God and loving others. The greatest gift for you and me, the greatest gift for humanity, the greatest gift for all to see. Oh, and welcome to the Gift of Love broadcast, where love is your greatest gift. I'm Lyndon Batiste, and thank you for joining me again for another opportunity for us to grow in our daily love walk, for us to grow in wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, to be full of hope, to be inspired, to walk the path of God, to walk the path of our full spiritual potential. We have just celebrated Easter um, around the world, and I would like to offer an Easter reflection, if you will, for our podcast today. And as we were celebrating Easter, I began to reflect on the purpose of Jesus's life. I asked myself the question, why did Jesus come in the first place? What was sort of central um thematically to Jesus's life and ministry. What did he say? What did he do? What was Jesus's purpose? And of course, we know the traditional answers. Theologically, Jesus came to die and save humanity. But there's something else in scripture that really sticks out to me that I want to quickly share. And again, I hope that it's a blessing, uh, it's liberating, and that it plays a part in our spiritual growth and development. I believe that part of Jesus's mission and ministry as we again reflect on the Easter season and 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 this this part of the story where Jesus is on the cross and he says it is finished you know what was actually finished and part of that I believe I believe is that Jesus came to democratize religion and spirituality in our lives Jesus came to democratize religion and spirituality in our lives. What do I mean by that? Well, we understand the concept of democracy, and, and it's this, this idea that's and this term that's usually li- used within the context of, of politics. But at its core, and, and, play, and putting it as simple as possible, is that the power of government rests with the people. So the power is not in a in, in a larger enterprise or body of, of people, the, the power is not in the hands of a dictator or a president or any type of uh, governing body, but the power rests with the people and the people determine the course of the whole. They determine the course of the entire country, nation, state, whatever it might be. And I believe that Jesus came to do the same thing. And that was very central to Jesus's message. And you say, why would Jesus spend so much time on that? Well, not only in the ancient world, but even today, people who have wanted power have always understood that religion is, in fact, powerful and it has the power to control lives. And they have used religion to control lives and this was no different during jesus's day 
And Jesus, throughout Scripture, you often see him making reference to the religious leaders of his day, doing things to make religion burdensome, to place obstacles before people. And why were they doing this? So that the power infrastructure, so that the power base remained with them. So people would have to come to them for their connection to God, their realization of their spirituality. And they believed certain things that, uh, that, that removed the power of their faith from them, the people, and it was in the hands of the religious leaders. And Jesus spoke directly to this. Now, what made me think about this idea that Jesus came to democratize our religion and spirituality in our lives, meaning that Jesus came to let us know that our religion and our spirituality and the degree to which we experience it is in our control, our hands. What made me think about this was as we're in this time of uh, quarantining and this tragedy that's happened around the world with this pandemic and COVID-19, the Pope made a statement in March and I'm pulling from an article uh, from the National Catholic Reporter. And the Pope said, if you can't go to confession, take your sorrow directly to God. And later on in the article, uh, the Pope is, is continuing to talk and he says, but many people today would tell me, Father, where can I find a priest, a confessor, because I can't leave the house and I want to make peace with the Lord. I want him to embrace me. I want the Father's embrace. And the Pope's response to this was, do what the catechism says. It is very clear. If you cannot find a priest to confess to, speak directly with God, your Father, and tell him the truth. Say, Lord, I did this, this, and this. Forgive me and ask for pardon with all your heart. Make an act of contrition. And the Pope said, and promise God I will go to confession afterward, but forgive me now. And immediately you will return to a state of grace with God. Now, for so many people, this shifted the paradigm of how they've understood religion up until this point. And myself, being a, a Catholic, a, a good Catholic boy, <laughs> I, I understand what this looks like, where so much of religion and faith takes place within the context of church and those who administer church to us so for so long we believed that in order to receive forgiveness from god we had to sit before a priest and this isn't unique just to catholicism or uh, or christianity this has been the reality in, in, in multiple religions in all religions and many of our great religious leaders throughout human history this was a part of their crusade, if you will, was that they wanted religion to be liberating and not burdensome and not imprisoning to the people. And Jesus was no exception to this fact. Jesus wanted to liberate the people from the burden of religion that was created by the religious leaders. So really quick, four ways in which Jesus does in which in which Jesus does this. So number one, Jesus came to dismantle the religious hierarchy, the religious hierarchy who sought to place the power of religion in the in the hands of the religious leaders. You say, where does he do this at? Well, if you look at uh, Matthew chapter twenty three, I'm just going to read a, a bit of this scripture, and I believe this scripture points to this notion. In Matthew chapter twenty three. The scripture reads, and I'm reading out of the New Revised Standard Version. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. 
again Moses' seat representing sort of this this place of power therefore do whatever they teach you and follow it but do not do as they do for they do not practice what they teach they tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on the shoulders of others but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them they do all their deeds to be seen by others for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long they love to have the place of honor at banquets and the best seats in the synagogues and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have people call them rabbi but you are not to be called rabbi for you have one teacher and you are all students and call no one your father on earth for you have one father the one in heaven nor are you to be called instructors for you have one instructor the messiah the greatest among you will be your servant and all who exalt themselves will be humbled and all who humble themselves will be exalted and if you read the rest of that passage there jesus is just really going in on the on the religious leaders about how the power does not rest with them and not only that they're abusing this power through their own inability to live up to the to the standards that they're setting for others and 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 in the fact that they are creating making religion so burdensome and creating these high obstacles for people to jump over in order to be to qualify for God's grace and Jesus is saying here no you can go to direct you can go to God directly yourself these religious leaders they are not the gatekeepers of your religion your spirituality you do not need them because we're everyone you're all students and you can all access God the same way so Jesus came to 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 remove the power from the religious hierarchy of his day number two Jesus came to dismantle moral hierarchy. Yes, this is another place where where so many people are shamed into believing that they cannot access God and their religion and spirituality because of the lives that they've lived. But we see this in the example of the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector in Luke chapter 18, verse 9 through 14. And, and I want to read some of this scripture as well. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. So Jesus is saying that your own that our morality to the lives that we live, whether righteous or unrighteous, the, the degree to which we are, our piety has uh, the, the degree to which it is reached. Jesus is saying, this isn't even an obstacle. This doesn't determine who can access God, but what does your willingness, your humility, your willingness to seek God and to have a heart of contrition. He says that, is what allows us to access God. And guess what? Everyone can be humble. Everyone, everyone, everyone 
can approach God with a pure heart that is humble and understands and understands that God is available to them if they will, if they are willing and have an open heart to receive. So number one, Jesus tears, tears down this idea of the religious hierarchy. Pharisees and the Sadducees, they didn't have any special access, moral hierarchy, the most righteous among us, you know, the person who, who, who doesn't drink at all, the person who doesn't use a curse word. Jesus says, eh, they don't have any special access. Everyone has access. Number three, Jesus even tears down this socioeconomic hierarchy. Guess what? A billionaire does not have any special access to God. Yes, they might have more access to certain things here on this earth plane but they don't have any special access to god how do we know we know this in the story of the widow's might the story of the widow's might jesus is standing there as a collection is happening and jesus tells his disciples or those that who are there listening he says all of these other people they've given out of their abundance so even though they've given more maybe the millionaire gave you know a hundred thousand dollars or or thousands of dollars but the widow she did not have a lot she gave her might, which was which is like the smallest increment of, of, of monetary value. But because it was all that she had, Jesus says she gave more than those who gave out of their abundance. And what is Jesus saying here? Again, Jesus is leveling the plane. He is saying everyone can access God. God is not a respecter of persons. God is not a respecter of religious hierarchy. God is not a a respecter of moral hierarchy. God is not a respecter of even our socioeconomic hierarchy and sort of caste systems, if you will, because we create all of these caste systems. Yeah, that's not just present in one religion. We all have these caste systems that we create where we deem others more valuable and worthy than others. But Jesus came to tear down all of that. This is what I love about Jesus's ministry and his 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 and and and, and his perception of of justice and equality. Jesus says, "Guess what? Those who had more money, they're more, they're they're not more important to me than the widow." who gave of her widow's might, Jesus said, what I respect is the person who gives from their heart, who gives from the deepest wells of their being and they mean it and they are humble and they give out of a place of love. And guess what? Everyone can have access to that. Everyone can't have access to millions of dollars to place into the offering bucket. But God says, I'm not moved by that. Thank you, but I'm not moved by that. The church might be, yes, the priest might give them a special letter, but God is not moved by that. Ah, I love this. And lastly, how about racial ethnic hierarchy? Yes, that exists on, on our earth plane, but not before God. Let me give you an example of this in scripture. If you turn, uh, if you look in uh, Galatians chapter five, verse six, the writer in this scripture says for through the spirit by faith we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness for in christ jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything the only thing that counts is faith working through love i'm not sure if you understand what this means in the jewish world circumcision was a sign of the covenant this was god's command to abraham that all of the male children would be circumcised and this is how they knew that they were a part of the covenant of God. They had access to God and no one else. This is why, a very exclusionary uh, practice, by the way, but this is those were the times. And 
This is what G- what David meant when he is standing before Goliath and he calls Gal- Goliath, you uncircumcised Philistine. That was sort of a racial, ethnic, and spiritual epitaph, if you will. And David is saying, you're outside of the covenant of God. God is not with you. God is with me. I have access to God. That's why I'm not afraid of you. I am superior to you. And usually I've heard this preached and it's seen as sort of this bold comment from David, you know, announcing to the world that God is with him. But it was really sort of, to be quite honest, sort of racially (laughs) insensitive, (laughs) spiritually insensitive, um, um, ethnically insensitive. But that's just what the social program of the day was. But Jesus comes. Good news. Jesus comes and destroys all of that. And Jesus says, look, circumcision nor uncircumcision, it counts for nothing now. And we're going to see this again in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, where the scripture reads, There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Jesus is democratizing religion. He's democratizing spirituality. And he is also creating this 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 equity in religion that had not existed prior there was this caste system and i'm using that intentionally there was this caste system in religion where certain amongst us had access and privileges i mean this was like religious jim crow that was happening and what jesus is saying that freedom to all thank god almighty free at last because i have come and i have died i have lived and i am showing you and telling you that God is saying everyone can access the creator of the universe, the most important, powerful, powerful, all-knowing being in the universe. There's no greater access to have. And Jesus is saying everyone has access to this reality, this God reality. So this is my reflection and my ultimate point. Jesus came to to democratize it, meaning The power is with you. The power is in your heart. Your willingness to seek God and experience God and and heaven here on earth, as the prayer says, that's up to you. And guess what? You do not need a church building or synagogue or anything else to experience God. You do not need a religious figure or preacher or priest or pope or anyone else to experience that. You might ask the question, well, Lyndon, why do... I need a priest or a preacher in the first place. I'm, I'm just going to stay home now. Well, that's not the point. I believe that God gives us preachers and teachers of, of religion and spirituality the same way that God gives us a doctor. Yes, technically you could heal yourself and stitch yourself back up. But you know what doctors they go to school for 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 many, many years to become experts in this. And they could do it in a time and with an expertise in which you probably cannot because you haven't studied it. And guess what? Religion is complicated and it's been misused and abused. But God gives us those leaders to help lead us and guide us. But the ultimate point, I believe, of every spiritual leader should be to empower and liberate those that they speak to who sit and believe in their teachings. And I believe that this was the 
one of the primary points of Jesus's ministry to democratize religion and spirituality, to create equity in religion and spirituality, to create a sense of justice that all that is of heaven is available to those who are humble and willing to seek God. So today, as we reflect on um, this Easter season, I want you to revisit those scriptures and meditate on the fact that, you know what? God is in me. And this is a New Testament teaching that we are the temple of God. God is not in the temple as God was in the in the Old Testament bound up within the Ark of the Covenant. You are the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> you are the Ark. You are the temple. God is in you and you can speak to God. Your father, your father, as Jesus said, when you need to. Jesus came to democratize our religion and spirituality. And this, I believe, is one of the most important truths of Jesus's life. Amen.